Okay, Hadley. I'm really excited to hear your perspective for two reasons. One, because I relate to you so much from the perspective of choosing to stop drinking, not because there were a ton of external consequences or people like demanding that you stop or requesting that you stop, but more of that like quiet turned a larger inner voice asking you to stop. And um, I really think that that is something that I want to highlight as part of your story. What I also love to highlight in your story is the kind of what it's like now and the joys of you being a sober mom and the effects that you believe your society, your sobriety has had on those family dynamics, um, mm-hmm. relationships that you have with your boys. So you can, can you tell me just a tiny bit about what it was like, like that internal suffering that you had, and then we can really shine a light on the beauty of your sobriety. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I like to say that it's not about how much I drink or how often I drink. It's about how I felt when I did. And if I'm being really honest with myself, which I'm good at now, I didn't used to be my relationship with alcohol always felt toxic, off, icky, whatever you want to call it from the very first time I got drunk at 14. Um, and ended up getting, you know, brought home by the police, which was a fun way to kick off my drinking career. Um, I always felt like something about the way I drank was different. I was a blackout drinker, which everybody seemed to think was just funny. That was just a normal part of kind of drinking culture. Lots of other people did too. Nobody else seemed to struggle with it like I did, but I always felt like after I drank, after any kind of drinking episode, whether I was drinking once a week, once a month, whatever, I was just drowning in shame and self-loathing and I didn't like the person that I was. And of course, now I realize I was not the only person who felt like that, but looking around, everybody else seemed to just kind of lick their wounds from a hangover, laugh it off, move on. And I would be, you know, hiding, wanting to crawl in a hole and die. I didn't want to see anybody that I'd been with. Um, I just felt like it affected me so differently. Um, and so it was, like you said, it was this quiet knowing that just kept building and building. Like, this is not what it's supposed to feel like. I'm pretty sure that it's not. And there were a few big events that kind of nudged me closer to my ultimate decision. Um, And then one morning I woke up with, you know, some people call it the click, right? I woke up and I was hungover and I had the spins and the hot sweats and I sat there in bed and I said, this is it. I'm done. I am stepping off this hamster wheel. I never want to feel like this again. This is going to be my last hangover. And I haven't looked back. Oh, I love that because, um, you know, so often we do have to kind of be responsible for ourselves in this life. Like it's one of those adult realizations of like, if something's not working at the end of the day, like I have to be responsible to make that change and, um, see the transformation happen in my own life. And what's really interesting as you're, as you're sharing your story, you remind me that I I think of a relationship with alcohol, or at least my relationship with alcohol in a couple of phases. 
there's mm-hmm. a phase where it's fun, there's a phase where it's medicine, and then there's a phase where I know that it's a total lack of integrity with what I desire more deeply, which is to be at peace with myself, to trust myself, to just generally like feel good and have a sense of sustainable health and well-being that didn't feel possible from a mental health standpoint when I was drinking, let alone like just the way that it does affect you physically, whether that's a hangover in the morning or something a little bit larger. Um, So it's interesting because I think the narrative we see and the narrative that I still see in, in, in shows or in friends or in different cultural situations is that's really painted as like it's fun or it's medicine. And I do think that there's a, a strong part of the population that also senses that it's a lack of integrity, but that narrative isn't necessarily, you know, portrayed as much. So I really am grateful that you're willing to talk about that in your story of just like, yeah, I mean, like, it seemed like I was doing what other people were doing and other people didn't seem to have a problem with it. But it's that internal knowing that we learn to, you know, pay attention to and, and follow in this journey. And yeah, I want to hear a little bit about what it's like for you now, because it's your, uh, you're kind of like a, a beacon of light is the way that I want to say I mean, it. Sounds so okay, but it's true. Like a mom, um, you just, you really have your, it looks like you have your shit together. <laughs> and of course we know, like, we don't all have our shit together. But right, right. I would really love to hear like how you navigate being all that you are today. Cause like from the outside looking in, it just like, wow, she has really created a life and it, and it looks full and rich. Well, thank you. It feels full and it feels rich. And and what's funny is, you know, in I've, I wrote a memoir and I'm working on publishing right now. And, and literally the whole concept is I was a mom who looked like she had her shit together, <laughs> but really didn't. Right. And what's, what's funny is about it. I felt like such a fraud because I was for a big portion of the time when this was really an issue for me, I was a health and fitness coach. I'm a marathon runner. I was eating kale. I was running 10 miles a day. I was doing all the things and I was still touting this, like, Oh, you don't have to give up wine to be fit and healthy, um, kind of agenda. But and a big part of my message was also self-love, right? But I did, I felt like such a fraud because I didn't love myself. I couldn't love myself when I was drinking like that. So when I quit drinking, I will say I certainly don't have my shit together, right? We know that no one does, but I feel so much more at peace. I don't feel like the hot mess that I used to because my life is so much more calm. I am, I know that I'm following my moral compass. I know that I'm walking the path I want to be walking when there's chaos. It's chaos. That's like a part of life that we're meant to be dealing with. It's not the chaos or the insanity that I've created by saying I was going to have a glass of wine last night and then accidentally blacking out and staying out till 3am. You know what I mean? There's such a, a difference. So I will say my life now is peaceful and calm. And I certainly don't have it all together. Um, but I just feel so much more in control. I I'm an, 
I'm an introvert. So I'm the wrong sober person to ask about how do you go to the clubs and dance and, and do all of the things um, sober because I did some of that when I was drinking, but I didn't love it. Now I love that I don't have to pretend and I have no interest in that kind of stuff, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I just the peace that has come with this stage of life, like I can't say enough good things about it. And and the fact that I've really been able to tap into that whole concept of self-love and I really get what it's about now and I understand what it means because I can, I actually like myself, you know, self-love starts from self-like <laughs> and it's really hard to like yourself when you're trapped on that hamster wheel of the drinking and the regrets and the over, you know, we all know what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, self-esteem is built by doing esteemable acts. And yeah. if you are, you know, waking up, kicking yourself, you know, and beating yourself up mentally for the things that you did, you know, 12 hours ago, like that, that does not build the self-esteem, right? Like that right. really is a difficult place to build a foundation of self-love and, you know, this idea of like pretending, you know, pretending that we have all our shit together, pretending that we feel great when we don't, putting on a smile when we actually have been like beating ourselves up mentally, um, like pretending that we like going to the clubs when we really just like are doing it because we are trying to belong or fit in or feel sexy or whatever it is. Yeah. And that really hits home for me because I think, you know, you mentioned like life doesn't necessarily get more uh, perhaps simple. Like it's still complex. You are you yeah. still wear many hats, but it gets easier because there isn't that layer of like putting on a, a show. Like you're you just, you get to just be. I really resonate with that. And I feel like, especially in the last year, discovering a sober community online um, has helped me to almost just like, be the full version of myself in a way that I probably have. I'm now realizing I held back in more real life situations. Um, almost like before I felt like sobriety was something that I guess you hid. Like there was just a thing that you did quietly. Right. Uh, and now I'm realizing, Oh no, like I don't have to pretend that it's not a part of my life. In fact, it's a, it's a big part of my life. It is a big part of my moral compass and it's, such a part of my um, like kind of personal the legacy that I want to build and leave so yeah, yeah I want to talk about it now and I'm, I'm grateful that I can in places like my work or online or in, in communities um, that we find um, in social spaces online or in person um, and it's just it's different because it doesn't feel like I'm faking it like it doesn't feel like yes. I'm pretending to like something I don't really like I actually genuinely go where I want to go now, which brings me to a point. I, I have to say no a lot more, or I had to say no a lot more in the beginning. And now, you know, I don't have to say no because people, you know, know what my likes, my true likes and dislikes are. What have you gotten better at saying no to? I've gotten, so I've always been a people pleaser and saying no is not my greatest strength. Right. But I have gotten so much better at it through sobriety because I feel like I realized quickly that you have to be willing to advocate for yourself. Right. You have to be willing 
to stand up and say, no, I don't want to do that. Or that makes me, you have to kind of create your sober boundaries in in the beginning and, and figure out what's going to help you be successful. Um, and, and for me, it was, you know, no, I don't want to go to that party or that event where I know everybody is just going to be wasted. But how about we set a date for next week to go for a walk instead, because I'd really love to catch up or let's go do lunch or whatever. And I, and I feel like I, you know, there was some confusion early on when I first stopped drinking. I think some of my friends probably didn't believe that I was serious. I think some of them were like, well, what is, does she want to come out? Does she want to, you know, and I, and I said, please still invite me places. I want to be included, but I'm going to say no, if it, if it doesn't serve me or I don't feel like it's right. I'm not going to be your DD forever. I'm not going to split the bill when you've had three bottles of wine and, you know, I had a club soda. Um, so I, there's definitely a lot of, I, I've gotten more comfortable with saying no in those cases and kind of, you know, stating my needs to my friends. So they understand. I love, I love when I get like language from people, right? Like, no, I don't want to do that, but I value you enough. And I love our yes. friendship. Like, so let's do this instead. Like, can we do something else? Like, it's not just a yes or a no, like you can still have the friendships and you just, you really just taught us something, which is, it doesn't have to be this like black or white sort of, um, transition from like, I was a drinker and now I'm not. And I, those were my friends and now they're not, it can just transform into something different, right? No, I don't want to do that anymore, but I would love to do this with you. Yeah. And you also learn there, there might be some friends that don't survive that transition because there's some friends we have that are like drinking friends right we know this is it somebody that I would want to go on a walk with and catch up with or is that a relationship that really only existed because it it belonged in a bar with a bottle of wine right and and that has happened a little bit to me not a whole lot um but you know we we go through phases and stages with our friends as we get older um so i always say when people are asking me about this like don't be afraid of letting some relationships go it doesn't mean you're not friends anymore it just means if, if it's not somebody that you would want to go to lunch with without a glass of wine then you know that's not how i want to spend my time yeah. I call it get to the truth before you get to the cheerleading. Yeah. Know what the f- true foundation of your friendship is before you go off celebrating it, spending your time on it. Yes. I love it. that. I love that. That's brilliant. And as we come to find when we kind of shed the uh, relationships that lack true foundation and depth, right? We open up space for other relationships or the relationships that we do have that mean a lot to us and have have depth like they they just get nourished more I'm really fascinated by your experience as a mom and I've heard a lot about kind of mommy wine culture and all these things I wonder if that was a part of your experience but what I'm equally as inclined to ask you about is like what it truly is like now um because I've I really want to shine a light on the, for the person who is asking, but how, how can I, like, what is it like? Like, Please tell me what it's like to be a sober mom. Cause maybe there's someone listening. who's just, I literally cannot picture it. So can you tell us what it's like? 
Yeah. I mean, I think I was somebody who couldn't picture it. Right. And the whole mommy wine thing, that's, that's something I could, you know, that's a whole nother topic I could go on for days, but this whole like mommy wine culture has told us that has taught us that parenting is really freaking hard and wine is the answer. Right. And so that's what we turn to when you're stressed, when it feels too much, when you're overwhelmed with all of just the mental load of motherhood, all of those things, we turn to wine. And what I started to discover as I unpacked some of this, getting closer to the day that I finally decided enough was enough, that I would get. I would be stressed. It would be a long day. It would, you know, any number of reasons. Like it was a snow day. The, a kid was homesick. I had to help with long division homework. And I'd be, oh, so frustrated. I need to pour that glass of wine at five o'clock. And then I would sit there and I would watch the news and I would have my glass of wine at five o'clock and I would feel myself retreating inward. That wine didn't help me didn't make me like bubbly and excited and happy mom. It made me cranky, short-tempered and nasty mom, right? I was leaning away from my kids when I should have been leaning in. And I found myself like tallying all the reasons all day long, why this day was so awful or what was going wrong and why I was going to deserve that glass of wine at five o'clock. And, and I realized when I looked at it sort of through a new lens that, Wine was certainly not helping to make motherhood easier. It was actually making it worse on several levels, right? I mean, one just being the hit that my mental health was taking alone. It's hard to be a joyful, invested, connected mom when your mental health is suffering. And then you compound things like not sleeping well, because we know even a gl one glass of alcohol impacts our sleep so severely, right? Um, so it was kind of doing the opposite of what I was using it for. So when I quit drinking, I noticed a change very quickly, right? I found a new habit to sort of replace my evening wine routine. And it was simple. It was like a glass of kombucha or tea and carving out 10 minutes to sit in the sunroom by myself and read a book before I transitioned into the like evening phase. Um, but I found that this sort of haze lifted and I found myself looking for the positives in the day, looking for the joyful moments instead of focusing on the negative. I was more patient. I was more connected. I was more invested in what was going on in the house and what my kids were up to and what we had going on for the evening. Um, and I just, it's not like this switch can be flipped and it's like, oh, you stop drinking and motherhood is automatically this magical thing. Um, but I did notice a big change immediately just from removing something so negative from the equation. I, I just, I felt, um, I just felt a deeper connection to my kids and my family. And it, it was like, I was no longer muting this layer of kind of the normal day-to-day parts of your family that you have to deal with. I was trying to mute all of that and now I was experiencing it and it just, it just felt good to be a part of it. I think um, a big part of it for me was finding something to replace that wine with. And, and for me, I think it was meaningful self-care, right? 
the mommy wine machine teaches us that wine is self-care and it's not, it's the opposite of self-care, right? It's like self-sabotage, I guess. Um, so really taking care of myself on a more meaningful level, which for me is things like alone time, reading a book, exercise, um, getting good quality sleep, things like that. Um, I feel like as moms, we have to be doing things to fill our cup. And when we're drinking to do that, we're not only impacting our mental health and all those other things, but we're also keeping ourselves from doing meaningful self-care. So it's sort of like a double whammy. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I wanted to hear it before. I don't know if I would have heard it if someone told me when I was drinking that, you know, alcohol, in fact, is a depressant, um, right. and negatively affects your mental health. But let's just, you know, take that off the table even and say alcohol is a totally neutral substance, right? Like, let's call it neutral, not bad, not good, neutral. Still, is it the best you can do? Like, asking yourself, do I deserve neutral? Like, even that, or do I deserve like rest? Do I deserve quiet time? Do I deserve quality sleep? Like is a glass of wine truly honestly the best you can do? I believe the answer is no. Yeah, right. Demonize it, but like, no, you can do and you deserve better. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I, you know, I always say moms don't need wine to deal with the stress of motherhood. We need things like <laughs> better childcare, better maternity leave, more support, equal pay. All, there's so many things we need. Um, we don't need a buzz. That's not going to help any of it. Mm. And what do you look forward to in your future or believe is possible for your future, your, your future relationship with your boys uh, as you continue your sober journey? I feel like it has been such a blessing because um, my boys are um, 12 and 14 now. So I've got one in the teenage years, one kind of in that tween space and they're, they're in it, right? They're at the stage where they're seeing alcohol, they're hearing about all of this stuff. Um, and it has prompted these amazing conversations with them that I never would have been able to have when I was showing them the mom that needs a glass of wine at 5 p.m. every day um, to deal with being their parent, right? I feel so much more connected to them and I feel more confident as a mom. It's hard to describe the confidence that comes as a mother from knowing that you're always giving them the same version of you. They always know what they're going to get. Now, I was not somebody who... Um, I never really got drunk in front of my kids. Um, that was always kind of a line I was able to sort of manage. Um, but, but just the confidence that comes from knowing that I'm always going to be in their corner. I'm always going to be someone who's able to drive. I'm always going to be somebody who can come pick them up from that party if they're in an uncomfortable situation. I wouldn't have been able to do that before, right? Friday night, that was wine drinking night. If they needed a ride, what was I going to do? Send an Uber? Um, and I just feel like it's made me, the, the confidence has made me a better mom. It's made me feel more connected. Um, it's just like a positive cycle for once instead of the negative one I was trapped in for so long. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Hadley, for sharing. My pleasure. Thank you.